Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spunk Lake Sports. I am Austin Schindler here. Uh, our co-host is uh, currently got his hands tied at the time, but we got a special guest to fill that spot. Wolves play-by-play announcer, first year with the Minnesota Timberwolves, Michael Grady. Michael, how are we doing today? I'm great. I'm great. Good to be on with you today. Yeah, I, I know all 14 of our listeners are going to really appreciate this. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give them a show. <laughs> no, but uh, how are you feeling so far about the, the Wolves season? Just actually, let's just start with Minnesota in general. Uh, what do you think of it? Is it the exact is it the exact same as Indiana is, basically? <laughs> you know, well, it's it's colder for sure. That, that, that part's obvious. But um, as far as the people, the friendliness, it's, the, it's that Midwest energy um, that I certainly grew up with in, uh, in Indianapolis. Um, I was really anxious about getting out, doing some exploring and um, being able to get a feel for the personality of Minneapolis and, mm-hmm. and the people and all those kinds of things. So things have been really hectic with the NBA in the NBA season, um, as you can imagine, but yep. able to check out some food spots, get around a little bit, but I'm looking forward to doing some more exploring when things die down a little bit. Yep. And well, welcome to the Minnesota Timberwolves experience. Uh, we all kind of thought, you know, this would be a little better start to the season, but welcome to the team. You have now entered the weirdest team of all time you could ever announce. <laughs> <laughs> well, it certainly gives me my, uh, a lot of experience um, as, a, as a broadcaster because I've in 31 games or whatever it's been, I've been able to see everything that you can expect to see from an NBA team over the course of a full season. So, um, but that's, that's also a part of the NBA experience uh, as well. There are a lot of teams going through growing pains, um, but they're, they're in a groove right now. We'll see how long, you know, we'll see how long that lasts, but yeah, I can say it's been fun. I can say they've had my attention um, <laughs> this entire there's time. Always, there's always something every single game, right? <laughs> yeah. Always something. So, the last few games has been a couple of blowouts, which has been um, uh, certainly welcomed for sure. Nice, uh, nice so, to see for once. <laughs> yeah, it was some um, some not great play to start the season as they try to figure out roles and how they were going to play with the two bigs, uh, enduring some injuries. Um, but being able to watch Anthony Edwards' development um, lately has been really something to see. Yeah, no kidding. And you, you and Jim were having an absolute blast on the on the broadcast last night, talking about wedgies, pigeons, Anchorman references. You shouted <laughs> out to a couple Wolves Twitter accounts. Like you guys were like having some awesome fun. I was just I was sitting in the living room just cackling because <laughs> I'm like I've never seen two guys have this much fun. <laughs> and you know that's how it that's how it um it should be and one thing that's never lost on me is that this is a game um I know that uh, a lot of folks you know will take it seriously um but at the end of the day for me it's it's uh it's a game and when the game calls for us to be um calls for a a, a different demeanor you know we're on point for it uh Jim is is among the best X's and O's analysts in the entire yeah. NBA so I like the versatility on our broadcast. There were some good moments for levity, and um, we had some fun with it. I did get an education on legies and pigeons. <laughs> uh, shout out the No Dunks uh, crew uh, <laughs> with that. But uh, but yeah, yeah, just opportunity for fun, and and you always you know hope that the the fans enjoy the journey, not just with the team, but within the broadcast as we help tell the stories. Yeah, for sure. I know. 
you know, there must, there definitely was like an adjustment period. I'm sure you could you could uh, attest to that as well. But like, I mean, just in those 31 games, it feels like you and Jim have been doing this for like 10 years together. Uh, you know, and I love hearing that. I love hearing that. And, um, you know, obviously it takes two to tango. You know, Jim could come in with open arms. But if I came in with a kind of standoffish attitude or it's about me type attitude, it wouldn't work and vice versa. So um, the fact that we both love the game and we have that common ground um, and that's number one mm -hmm. love of the game, um, that makes it that makes it easy. And the fact that we can laugh at ourselves uh, makes it even easier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that, that brings out the human side of it too. That's where I started really yeah. eating it up too, because uh, you just you guys were just like shooting it around, and it was just so much fun to listen to because you could tell you weren't like you know it was one of those games where you you could kind of feel, especially after the ejections, that uh, they were kind of you know rolling a little bit. They caught a nice little vibe, and then that's when you guys caught your vibe, just throwing out all the references here. Like that was just a treat to watch a treat. Yeah. To watch. It perfectly <laughs> fit the basketball game in the vibe because Ant was just doing his thing. And Nas, I mean, Nas, man, he's, he's for real. Yeah. I've enjoyed watching Nas from day one. Um, when I came in, um, uh, you all have had an opportunity to watch him grow and develop and, Jim Peterson is really proud of Nas and his development. And, you know, that was one of the first guys that and I've told people this. He's one of the first guys that stood out to me in training camp, you know, come in and all eyes on Anthony Edwards. Uh, Towns, of course, was not ready to go. Rudy Gobert. But Nas was doing just a little bit of everything in training mm -hmm. camp. And he was showing it in the preseason in the minutes that he was getting there, too. And so, you know, you hate injuries, but to see Nas get his opportunity and take advantage of it. Yeah. In such a big way, you know, a 28 point game, a 27 13 rebound game last night. He had 18 rebounds a little over a week ago against OKC. Like he's taken advantage of the opportunity. Um, yeah. And I, I'm really, really And we proud. need it too, especially with that kind of clunky start to the season. I mean, when you have two of your big guys out, really, uh, the guys that are staples are supposed to be staples in this lineup. You bring in a guy like Nas for Wolves fans, obviously who've watched him, you know, we're, we're pretty comfortable seeing Nas in that sort of position, but yeah, besides that, like, is there anyone else that's been on your radar since that training camp? Not, uh, Nas really stood out the most. Um, I, I, the guy that I was really looking forward to seeing and I've really enjoyed him and appreciate him and his sacrifice is Jaden McDaniels. Um, yes, the absolutely. fact that he just has a, a, a thankless job, and it's a little extreme to say thankless, but he has a role where he comes in night in and night out and has the toughest defensive assignment yep. on the perimeter, and then has to conserve some energy for the offensive side of the ball where he may or may not get a touch. And so seeing his development, seeing his sacrifice out there and willingness and as he told me before just his embracing of that role um i just got to tip my cap to him and you could really see us on you know training camp his length um the way he can disrupt yeah. plays with deflections blocks steals um you know he gets in foul trouble from time to time but his willingness uh to go out there and accept um, the role that's given to him. I really appreciated watching him play, but there's been a little something on every guy. You know, I've been, I was, oh, yeah, you know, for sure. In his education at training camp because I was coming fresh off of uh, the NFL season and then went from, you know, a Bears game, 
flying that night to Minneapolis and the media day was that day. And so it's been an educationist that, um, since then. And so it's just been pulling something from each guy and kind of focusing on a different guy each day and then watching them develop, kind of develop a relationship. And, um, and, uh, and so that I can better tell, better tell those stories for sure. So there's something on every guy, but Nas, Nas was the one that really stood out in training camp to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and that, uh, it was kind of a, a really big off season, you know, just for Wolves fans in general. Right. I mean, uh, obviously we got the Rudy Gobert trade, but as much as there's like not a ton of Wolves fans out there, but for those who are, they pay attention. They, they know what's up. And, you know, I'm sure you, you knew who like Dave Benz was the previous play-by-play guy, like the whole fan base loved him. And then we're now looking for a new guy to come in. And that ended up obviously being you, but kind of tell me what that process was like, what was going through your head? Like, obviously you have a family too, like yeah. you know, what kind of decision-making really goes into that to go from Brooklyn to this tundra of Minnesota? It's not, yeah, it's not easy uprooting, you know, your, your family or separating, you know, from your family to, uh, to make a move like this. But, you know, my wife was involved in the process, you know, unfortunately I was going through, uh, my mom's passing at that time. I made the decision to come to Minnesota um, a few days after she passed. And um, so that was a, that's obviously the heaviest time of my life. Yeah. And then being confronted with this decision, you know, at that time um, certainly was not easy, especially with the relationships and um, the family that I was able to create, you know, yeah. up there in Brooklyn um, and, and people that I love and will be a part of my family um, forever. Um, but I think, with you in broadcasting and, and, and it really doesn't matter if you're in television or, or whatever role it is, you know, when, when you have something that's been a goal of yours for a long period of time and it's presented to you, sometimes it's a no brainer. Um, sometimes it's not an easy decision because of the sacrifice or what you would be saying goodbye to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I get, I guess what stuck out to me is just that young Michael Grady who, was on the floor watching television, watching some of his favorite broadcasters, and then saying to himself, I want to do that one day. And so, you know, in Brooklyn, I was the sideline reporter and, uh, and I was filling play by play and I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, but being presented with an opportunity to be the guy, you know, for all 82, it was something that was, um, the more I thought about it, the more I, you know, prayed about it, the more people that I talked to, people that I respected in this business, um, you know, it was a no-brainer for me. And so, um, so uh, I appreciate everybody and how delicately they handled the situation, knowing what I was going through personally with the Timberwolves. Yeah. And, um, and so I really appreciate the way that they handled it. And um, all the conversations were great, uh, from the Valley Sports North people to the Timberwolves people to, um, you know, ownership. Glenn um, to A Rod and Mark, every everything just just yeah. felt right. So, so yeah, not a, not an easy decision, but it was um, the right decision. It's and it's been a dream decision. Right. Yeah, and it's and it's also just the fact that you know, you, like you said, you built a family in Brooklyn, right? So that's kind of the safe safe space you have right there. But then you get this opportunity where it's like, well, this is the, this is the dream. So then you have to go through that mental battle of do I take the safe way out or do I really go for it here and I I, I'm glad you did because I love you on air man like I love it and then 
Yeah. Yeah. And then I did, I did read up on you a little bit. So before this all happened, there was a young Michael Grady working at a Taco Bell. Is that right? Yeah. That was my first job. First job. Yeah. 16 years old working at a a Taco Bell. And um, (laughs) I was right around the time that my voice was changing uh, as well. (laughs) That kind of works, works hand in hand. So I'm working the drive through a Taco Bell and I'm asking people about their order and then they're responding with, you know, you got a great voice. You should do radio or something like that. Oh, no, no cracks in between. Yeah, it's right. No, no, I, I just like skipped over the cracks and went right into the. OK, um, so no, it it, uh, it definitely encouraged me, you know, hearing enough people say that. Yeah. And happened to have a radio program at, at our high school. And so um, so I gave up playing ball and just dove head first, not just because of the, the Taco Bell comments, but because I loved, uh, I loved You were music. at the end of the bench, right? <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I I'm just music. kidding. <laughs> I love music and, and I love sports. And so, um, uh, and I love football. At that time, I love football and basketball pretty equally. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just jumped right in. I was doing play-by-play for the, the football team my junior year, for the basketball team. Uh, they made a deep run in the state playoffs, state um, the uh, the state tournament in Indiana, and of course the state tournament's a big deal. And um, that was the run that made me say, again, it's a 16 year old. Okay, yeah, this is this yeah. is what I want to do. Um, but you need people in your life, you know, my mom, um, and then complete strangers telling you, you know, you can you can do this. Like you're sound, yeah. you, can, you can do this, and that all contributed it along with my, you know, again, passion for sports and music to say, yeah, I need to, I need to do this. You need dive in, right? Yeah. Uh, A little, a little different from my story of uh, how I kind of want to get into it. I think it it was just watching Anchorman one time and I was like, this looks fun. (laughs) I think I want to do this. (laughs) But no, that's fun. No, I had a similar thing with um, uh, Martin when I was growing up. Oh yeah. uh, WZUP. And so um, watching Martin certainly uh, had a uh, similar, similar effect. Um, yeah. And as you, as I mentioned in the broadcast last night, I uh, made, made a reference. It's one of my favorite movies. So I'm not surprised <laughs> at that one. <laughs> Picked your interest. Oh, absolutely. I just, I just saw it. I was, lo- looks so much fun. Obviously it's nowhere near, you know, the work that you put in. You're not just ripping cigs out, out and back and then just going on camera 15 minutes later or anything. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I can't, with the Taco Bell thing, I, that I first job Subway when I was 15. It, so I need, I need, how was your fast food experience? Cause like one, there was just one time that kind of explained it all for me. I was just, uh-huh. I'm like 15 years old. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I barely know how to handle myself. I'm making this guy's sandwich and just going through the motions, obviously. Like, I'm just trying to get paid my 725 here. And the guy's the guy looks up at the menu and he's like, Is this is that sub 25 cents more? Did it increase in price? 15-year-old me is just like stops. I was like, wait, what? Look behind me. I'm like, yeah, it must have. And he's like, well, I don't want to pay for that. And I was like, I'm I'm 15, buddy. I, I don't know what to do here. So do you want the sandwich or yeah, I can't, can't really do anything here, buddy. So like, <laughs> did you, did you have any weird experiences at Taco Bell? There had to be a couple. Is it Taco Bell? Uh, no, you know what? I pretty I smooth. I'm, okay. I guess I'm just weird. Yeah, it was pretty smooth. I, um, I enjoyed going. I mean, I kept 
I kept, I did it for a couple of years. I, um, yeah, I poured no for a few years until, uh, like my first year of college. Um, it just became easy. Just easy going through the motions. Relationships. And I was also like pretty competitive at the same time too. So I don't know if this was a way of tricking myself into going in and enjoying it, but yeah. I, I'd come in on the afternoon shift and I would see that the, the morning shift and drive through where they were getting orders out in 63 seconds. And so I would come in and I'd say, all right, guys, we're getting it out in 60. We're getting out in under a minute. We're getting the food out to come in the afternoon shift. And so um, this I is what we're know, doing today, guys, figure it probably, out. Or uh, get yeah, out. I probably annoyed people with my um, enthusiasm, but it all came. Buddy, from it's Taco Bell. I'm just here to get a paycheck. Yeah, right, right, right. I probably annoyed a lot of people. But um, yeah, I, I had a real competitive. Uh, I still have a competitive energy, um, but that that got me through those Taco Bell years. I had a good time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty competitive because uh, I saw you at the. Uh, Vikings Colts game. I I'm not sure if you were expecting me to ask this, but I, I had to bring it up. How how was that? How was US Bank Stadium? But more so, how was the game for you personally? You know, <laughs> I had some I had some I had some fun with it. Um when I was in Indianapolis, and you'll I mean maybe you're at a point where you appreciate this or as you get older for sure. But when I was in Indianapolis, especially growing up, everything was about the Colts. If, if they lost on Sunday, it would take about, you know, maybe Wednesday until I got over and I couldn't watch sports. hundred percent. Every time. Like it was, it was brutal when they would take a loss, especially <clears throat> during those Peyton Manning years. And I, oh, I yeah. go back to, I go back to. Every game was expected to win at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I go back to, you know, magical season in 95 when Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback and they made it all the way to the AFC championship game. Mm-hmm got screwed and lost to the Steelers, um, which would have sent them to the Super Bowl. But Peyton comes in 98. You know, they have a three and 13 year. And then all of a sudden, it's 10 wins every single season. And no matter how successful they were, they still were taking losses to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. They could be 13 and three. Uh, they were taking a loss. You know, they were at a 14 and two year and it was Ben Roethlisberger that took them down, if I'm not mistaken. Just every single year there was something. And then finally they break through and they beat Tom Brady in the yep. AFC Championship That game. was a great game. And too. then it was an amazing game, a come-from-behind victory, and you knock off Tom Brady and then you beat the Bears to win the Super Bowl. And by that point I was working in radio and um, um, I wasn't at the Super Bowl, but I was covering it from Indianapolis doing updates and, and uh, different things like that. And that was one of the – that was – I can't rank it right now, but that was certainly a top three, if not number one moment, um, just off the top of my head. Until um, the Wolves win the championship this year, right? <laughs> until, until, yes, I love the optimism. Uh, so that was a huge moment for me, right? And that was, you know, 2000 to February 2007. And so I'm in Indianapolis, I'm working that entire time. And then once you take the job in New York and you're, that you have that separation to a certain extent, Sometimes you're working the same time the Colts are playing. You know, you still love the team. You're still passionate about it. But, you know, that fandom dips just a little bit. Um, I, tried to get, I tried to get into the Jets. And my five years in New York, the Jets were absolutely dreadful. Um, so that didn't work. <laughs> um, uh, and then, and so now I'm in Minnesota. And, you know, it, this, is where I, this is where I live. So, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly adopting the team. But the Colts are still number one. 
and I hadn't yep. been to U.S. Bank Stadium yet, and so um, um, I was able to, you know, get, was able to make it out there for the game. Appreciate the folks that helped me out, and um, and that first half, really good. <laughs> I enjoyed that. That first half was great. I'm still not at that rah rah yelling at the top of my that type of stuff, but no, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to see. I still have friends on the that work for the team, and then that second half. Um, you know, I made the reference last. I made the reference last night, but yeah, it's Baxter in the wheel of cheese again. I'm not even. I'm not even mad. I'm seeing something that's never been done before in NFL history. That's true. So I certainly had some. I certainly had some fun with it, seeing it. And um, the biggest takeaway from that, aside from the disappointment and just how sorry the Colts looked in the second half, <laughs> was the fans, and maybe the fact that it was, you know unbelievably cold outside contributed to it but i didn't see a lot of people leave at halftime i tweeted about this i didn't see a lot of people leave at half halftime. yeah i didn't i expected so, half the stadium to be gone yeah i thought but... okay yeah this this sucks we're out of here um but for them to stick around and for that place to be as rocking as it was as it concluded unreal unreal uh, hard oh. hard to be mad watching something like that right yeah yeah it's like you know what uh, I, I, I'm always, Colts will always be number one, but that level of emotional in, in investment to where my week is wrecked, I mean, that's been long gone. So now I can laugh at things like that. And plus, I've got a stepson that I've been coaching to not get so em emotionally involved because um, he's a big Saints fan. And um, so my don't uh, do this. Only one team wins per year. Don't do this to yourself. It's it's and it's easier said than I mean. Try saying that to a seventeen-year-old. That's easier said um, than done. And oh yeah, well, my wife and my stepson they're living. They're still in um, uh, the New York area, and because um, he's going to a, he's going to a great school. He's in his senior year, so we we didn't want to pull him out. So um, I made arrangements to see him. We flew down to Tampa Bay a few weeks back. Uh, because Saints, he was born in New Orleans, so he's a Saints fan. The Saints were in Tampa to take on the Bucks. They had a 13-point lead with four minutes to go, and Tom Brady rips his heart out. And Is that that's the same game that Mark Ingram kind of ran out of bounds when he probably should have just went the extra yeah, yard? Yeah, he messed up his messed up his knee or something in the process, and just he was tore up about. Tore up about what he did there, um, but nevertheless, Tom Brady scores a couple of touchdowns in the closing minutes, steals the game. At that point, a lot of Tampa Bay fans had left the stadium because they thought it was over, down 13 with a you know, handful of minutes to go. Um, but we were right there, watched the entire game and watched Tom Brady rip his heart out. And so bring it full circle. I just think it's crazy speaking how wild Tom Brady is, the fact that he ripped my heart out when I was in my early 20s, late Every teens, 20s, and then now I've got a, I've got a son who has his heart <laughs> ripped out by the same dude. That's unreal, unreal. But now he's 45, which makes it even like, how is this guy still going? <laughs> to, to rip the heart out of two different generations, and maybe even three different, but yeah, a couple of different generations. Um, really speaks to his longevity and greatness. It's um, I hate saying that because I had tons of arguments in school about who was better, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. Um, oh that, yeah, that that that's that's any high school, any football high school. That is a daily conversation that happens throughout the week. That question has long been answered. Um, <laughs> I was on the losing end of that argument.
You still had good Peyton years. You see, for the Vikings fans, we would just be just give us any tenure, any quarterback that can last 10 years. I mean, we got we got uh, Kirko, big Kirko chains. How do you feel about the Kirko chains? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay. <laughs> I'm just going to put positive energy out there. I, um, right. I want to see him do well. I want to see him win um, for Minnesota. Um, uh, there's enough criticism out there of him or, or a lack yep. of grief and the fact that he can pull the team over the finish line. Um, but they need him. They yeah. need him. Hard, hard to take away a 36-point comeback. Yeah, you could have scored uh, once or twice in the first half, but, hey, you scored the 36 in the second mm -hmm. half, and, and we got those two touchdowns taken away, too, on defense yeah. there. That yeah. was... I don't think I've been, I, I usually keep it pretty calm during Vikings games, but after that second one, I was like, all right, there's something, we, we got to figure something out here. Refs like, this is not cool. <laughs> you got to give us at least one here, but yeah, finished off the, finished off the dub. We'll see how far the Vikings go. Welcome to Minnesota, Michael. We are <laughs> sarcastically optimistic about the Vikings and all of our sports teams. <laughs> Yes. If you haven't seen enough of Wolves Twitter already, it's either the highest of the high or the lowest of the low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was given that uh, tutorial as soon as I came in. So, yeah. Oh, um, yep. Yep. I suppose. Did you did you ever get the full history of how, this franchise at all? Just the things that really went into it in the past that really just kind of made us who we are. Just this kind of sad franchise looking for a winner at all costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the goal, um, and that's that's the you know, the hope is that we're stepping into a new era for sure, right? Yes. And I know that there are a lot of questions about you know the offseason trade or whatever it may be, um, but there's a a lot of meat on the bones for this for, for this, sure, you know, to figure out. And so, so I'm 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 keeping with the uh, the optimism. For no, sure. We're staying up top. We gotta stay on the yeah. mountain there. They've, you know, they've, they've, they've figured some things out and they've responded well to the style that they're playing right now. Yep. Definitely. All around they're flying around defensively. And so what everybody was talking about in the locker room and was discussing after the game is how do you keep this system rolling? Even right. When the guys who are injured right now, when they come back. And so that will be interesting to see. There will be bumps in the road along the way. Um, but some guys have gotten in the rotation that proven that they can play with the minutes mm -hmm. they've been given. I love what I've seen from Austin Rivers. Um, yeah, absolutely. You needed, and you and you needed to see something. Uh, one of those bench guys really step up into that role too to make this team to get it moving. Yes. Yeah, so once you bring Jordan McLaughlin back, who was getting Austin Rivers minutes to start the season, mm -hmm. uh, once Torian Prince is back in the mix. Um, you know, it's up to it's up to Finch to find that that rotation, that flow to where you're giving guys enough minutes to get into a rhythm and to get into a flow. Um, uh, and you're still playing a style that's effective and right. three wins, you know, three wins in a row. I mean, it's, it's good to see, you know, OKC 
and don't sleep on OKC. No, definitely not. They just hit a game winner last night against yeah. uh, against the Blazers. Also, back back beat the Wolves back to back. They beat Memphis and then they beat Portland back to back after that loss to Minnesota. So I give I give OKC a lot of credit for the way that they fight. So that was a good win on the road at the end of a five game road trip. Uh, you beat a Chicago team that came in upset after they lost their you know they were on a three game losing streak. Chicago came in upset. Um, you gave them more of a reason to be upset with that blowout victory. Oh, and then yeah. Dallas, you know, um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Luka Doncic didn't play in their last game Saturday. So they come back, they're refreshed, ready to roll. And the Wolves are playing the second half of a back-to-back and they beat them going away. So um, I give them a lot of credit, a lot of credit for the Wolves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then when, when the starters come back, right, we got our full lineup. I think one of the biggest things that we really did struggle with to begin the season is Finch never, it didn't seem like Finch found that lineup, right? We had the, you know, we had a pretty good bench to start the season. Noel was really cooking at the beginning. Like we saw all the tweets about how our bench is the plus and the starters are the minus, but then it kind of coasted in a way that nothing really meshed at one point. And that's when we kind of saw the dark times at the beginning of the season, you know, when we were losing five games in a row. Um, So you know, what do you think we need to see here coming up once all the starters return? Like, what does Finch really need to take a look at to make sure we have a consistent kind of rotation here? I think, well, Finch has to find the rotation combination for sure. And, yep. and he's already he's already acknowledged that, that that's, that's mm-hmm. going to be his challenge. I think the big thing is for the guys that are coming back in the lineup. That's and true. Some, I, don't, I don't think this will be a... Um, a big issue for some of these guys, but the players that are on the floor right now who are balling, there's no ego out there. Yes. No, I need the rock. There isn't, you know, why didn't you give it to me here? Why didn't you give it to me there? I need the ball. I need to make a play. The ball is moving around. D'Angelo's doing his thing. Guys are celebrating him. Ant's doing his thing. He's also getting guys involved, mm-hmm. celebrating his teammates. Nas, sometimes if he has a look, he's making a play or he's making a quick decision to give it up. Rivers is working it around. Noel is coming in and working it around. The ball movement has been fun to see, and it's just selfless basketball. There isn't, I need the ball right now. Yeah, no agenda. Yeah, and so when the guys get back into the mix, you really have to step into that. And I I don't think they'll have a problem with that at all, especially seeing it really hits you when you see the success the team is having. So whether whether you're talking about the guys who are entering the starting lineup again, uh, Rudy Gobert will be back sooner. Um, it's just about your teammates getting the ball, quick decision, moving it off. If you have a look, make something happen, but make a quick decision out there. Gobert's game is different from Nas's game. So his effectiveness is going to be different. But that same mindset of, all right, it's about the team. I'm sacrificing for the team. I don't have a look. I'm giving it up, celebrating your teammates, that whole thing that's going to be big and the same thing with towns when he returns to the lineup it has been a a, it's been a fun fast um brand of basketball yeah that's it's always the that fed when they play fast it's more than a treat to watch and we kind of saw you know you brought up ants playmaking to kind of developing and then we kind of heard a couple quotes from d'lo right a couple days ago about being kind of an off-ball guy being the shooter that he is like really not trying too hard or thinking too hard. So when the starters come back, do you kind of see maybe a point ant kind of thing going on to really get him involved too? Because 
there's always those Twitter clips that go around where it doesn't seem Ant is involved in the play. So he's got the hands on the hips, that sort of thing. Obviously, it could just be a break. It could be anything. Like keeping that optimism there. But yeah, do you think you can? Do you think that could be kind of a key to unlock that starting lineup? Is get make like get Ant the ball in his hands and then have him try to create for get a shot for D'Lo, get a shot for Cat, or get it loaded to go bear. Absolutely. And I think if if everybody is moving, I think it makes it that much more fun. I mean, when you look at the guys that Ant, while he's facilitating that he's on the floor with, there's constant movement out there. You know, you know, D'Lo's moving around. Um, McDaniels has been, you know, a solid cutter. You had Austin Rivers in the lineup last night who's spotting up, who's been really consistent in these last few outings with this three-point ball. So when there's when there's movement and the double comes, you know, for him to be able to make a play, I think it's been really fun to see his growth in that area. Now, when you have the starters back, you know, how after these guys to leave and come and blitz and to get the ball out of his hands, when you may be leaving Carl Anthony Towns in one corner, or you may be leaving, you know, another guy. So because the op- the offensive options are limited and these other teams aren't really respecting the other guys on the Timberwolves right now, they're getting some good looks into making plays. And guys might be more um, prone to stay home um, um, on some of the household names, if you will, return to the lineup. So that'll be an interesting development too, because it's not just what the Wolves are going to be doing. It's how the opposition is going to respond to the lineup that they have out there on the court. Mm-hmm. And then you have to act accordingly. But in general, from an engagement standpoint, I like Ant with the ball in his hands, especially seeing how he's become uh, an improved decision maker with, with, as what Finch pointed out, the reps adding up. And the more reps that he's getting with the ball in his hands and guys coming at him and him being forced to make a decision with the basketball, um, he's getting better and better and better. And some of these passes that we've seen from him out of the double been ridiculous. Right. So I just I give him a lot of credit for his improvement. And so um, obviously that his development in that area area adds some versatility to what Finch can do and how the lineups can look and, and how you can form them out there on the floor. Mm hmm. And then we got about three and a half minutes here uh, before I let you go here, Michael. Um, great analysis on the Timberwolves, as always. We really appreciate, I, at least from me, at least for me, I, I mean, I'm pretty engaged on the Wolves Reddit, Wolves Twitter. They're pretty beat up about the, you know, the old play-by-play going out, but the new, the, the new improved Michael Grady, it's just awesome. Everyone's starting to really eat up what you got here. And I, I, you kind of got the catchphrase and boom, you know, when we hit a three, but uh, you, you would like to switch it up though. You like to really switch it up a lot here. Is there any other, you know, uh, any catchphrases that you're kind of loading the, loading the trigger for or anything? Uh, none that out. Some of it will happen um, organically. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I, I know that um, cash has been well received and I'll. Yes. Cash too. That. Um, I'll continue to incorporate boom. Um, that goes back to my childhood. Um, uh, the late, uh, the late great slick Leonard was the, uh, color, color commentator. He was a Jim Peterson on radio, um, for the Indiana Pacers. And, um, that was the soundtrack to my childhood. Um, his catchphrase, yeah. those who know it was, um, boom, baby. And so, um, every three pointer, he would say, boom, baby, um, on the call. And imagine growing up with the Steph Curry of the 90s and Reggie Miller 
And for those who know all of his amazing moments in Madison Square Garden and in Market Square Arena, and you know, carrying, constant chirps, the trash talk. And it was like that was to grow up during that time and watch the defiant attitude. And I mentioned that when I came to Minnesota because that's what I love to embrace here. Because when folks talk about the Western Conference, they're going to talk about the sexy team, the Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, you know, and and um, other big names. And then Minnesota will kind of get overlooked. Well, that's kind of how it was growing up with Indiana. It was always the New Yorks, the Chicago's, of course, yep. with Michael Gordon. And Indiana was overlooked. And so the Pacers had this defiant attitude that we're going to force you to talk about us. And Reggie was right at the forefront of all that with his trash talk, his bravado. And um, so I'm growing up during that. And the Boom Babies were, were big time calls, his two threes to tie it up in Madison Square Garden when he scored eight points in 8.9 seconds. Um, his three-pointer to beat the Bulls in game three or four of the Eastern Underrated, Conference. an uh, underrated all-time superstar, in my book, at least. No question, no question. Definitely gets overlooked, oh. especially being in that era, too. Right, right. Um, is he, Yeah, it's certainly easy to get overlooked there, but um, but he was he was like Superman to me. And Slick Leonard was, was just amazing in my eyes. So... He passed away um, uh, during the pandemic, and um, uh, I just had great love and adoration for him. Um, uh, Reggie Miller owns Boom Baby Productions, and so he has a copyright on Boom Baby, so I don't want to get in trouble. But I used to just say boom after three yeah. when I was playing pickup ball. So I'll always incorporate that in some way or another here or there uh, into the game with cash, with the whole, you know, with the whole yeah. bunch of and just kind of mix it up and have some have some uh have some fun with it all right we got a little cut off there i'm not rich unfortunately because i cannot afford the zoom upgrade but we got uh, michael back on here but i just want to say uh michael thanks for hopping on my man like it's it's super cool to be able to talk to you here about my favorite team ever and just you kind of coming into your own uh as a i guess your first real play-by-play gig in the in the big leagues Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, it's good talking to you, man, and, and hearing your passion, you know, for the team. And um, I know it's an extension of, of so many people in the fan base who want great things for this franchise and for them to accomplish some things that we haven't seen around here. And um, I'm fully on board and excited uh, about it. And this um, this process of, of developing into a team that's going to be an absolute problem in the Western Conference. I so, like that. Exciting. Exciting. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I The vibes are always high with me. There, you know, There's a couple losses here and there that'll get me down. But overall, as the season goes on, I think we'll be able to pick things up. Finch is a great coach. We got a bunch of great guys in the locker room there. So, you know, I think the sky, like you said, is the limit here. Uh, where do you, just real quick, where do you think we end up? final regular season ends where we see where we sitting at uh, on the I mean, spot I, putting you on I the spot the, I, hate the, yeah, I hate to dodge the question but how can anybody, there it is <laughs> how can anybody answer that with with we don't know when towns is coming back and yeah that's back true back in a few i mean the injuries you take into account it's, it's really hard so the iteration that we're seeing of the team right now that's playing so well is not the team that we're going to see when everybody is exactly. back. So it, it's a that's a really uh, really tough question, um, but there's no reason. I mean, look, the West is tough, and injuries are going to happen. Some teams are going to fall out or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the way some of these teams are playing, um, getting into the top ten is not going to be easy. 
it's not going to be easy for Golden State to get into the top 10. Yeah, so no um, West is extremely, extremely, extremely tough. And Dallas is slipping right now. You got to figure that they're going to figure things out. But this is um, this is a playoff team, not a playing team. This is a playoff team Dang in right. Minnesota. Um, like it's got to get got to get healthy and get on the same page. Great, great. Well, thank you everyone for listening here. Michael Grady, Wolves, your Minnesota Timberwolves play-by-play announcer once again. Thank you for hopping on. It's been nothing but a pleasure. Hope hope to get you on again eventually. Enjoyed it, Austin. Yeah, yeah hit me up. All right. Love it. Well, yeah, like I said, hopefully we're working right next to each other in some capacity in the next coming years. But, yeah, just want to thank you again. Thanks for hopping on. This has been a blast. Appreciate you. Yeah. Take care, Michael. All right. Thanks a lot, Austin. Yep, take, take care, care. brother.